and specifically in this case because that's the sermon of the week, but sometimes we preach just because we needed the sermon ourselves first. Amen. And this is one of those. This is this was for me. And and I'll say I had personally I had an emotionally complicated week and I didn't have a chance to prepare the sermon until last night, until yesterday. And if I had been able to do this earlier in the week, I think I would have had a much better week. So this is like this is for me and this is for me in hindsight. So I'm just confessing that to y'all right now, um, but, but he here we are. We continue in Luke, and the passage that we have today is Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scored, scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is an interesting passage and a fascinating passage to me. Throughout the, throughout the, the last few weeks, we've been talking specifically from the book of Luke. If you look at the Gospels, some of the Gospels have different themes and different areas that they highlight just because it is natural to the storyteller. In this case, it's, it's, it's Luke, the physician. And Luke is almost like our economist-in-chief. If you look at the Gospel stories through Luke, you're going to see the highest emphasis on relationship to economics, um, money, and the relationship we have to the poor as a Jesus community in Luke than any of the other Gospels. Luke does something really interesting with some of the verses. In fact, in Matthew, for instance, Matthew, who was a tax collector, by the way, Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But Luke says, nah, blessed are the poor, period, <laughs> right? And, and I just love that there is this really playful understanding and retelling of the Jesus story where for Luke, his concern is the poor. So we've been talking a lot about the poor in the last uh, month or so because we are right in the middle of, the, of, of all of these stories and parables that Jesus is telling us through Luke's retelling and Luke is our economist in chief. So today we have a tax collector and we have a Pharisee. Um, interestingly, we do not have a widow. So now y'all by this point, you're probably tired of the widow because we've been talking of widows so many times in the last three or four weeks. But remember, the widow is an archetype for maybe those who are the most marginalized and destituted in our community, right? Now let's talk about the inside. And now we have the Pharisee and we have the tax collector, which will also have archetypes of who they are for us in this story. I find this story really interesting because it says that Jesus is telling this story with an agenda. The story tells us that Jesus is telling this story with some specific people in mind. And I think I find that really fascinating, right? Sometimes we receive Jesus' stories of things that Jesus was just doing. And that's like, great. 
But sometimes Jesus had something in mind and something he wanted to convey and share with others. And this is one of those stories that I think reveals a little bit for us of the relationship that Jesus was having with the community around him at that time. So this is that this is this is people who have great confidence in their own righteousness. And that gives me pause. Jesus is telling the story specifically to those who think that are right. To those who think they have it figured out. To those who think that they're on God's good side. And Jesus is speaking directly to them. And honestly, he's talking to me. Because I'm the king of this. I'm the king of trying to understand where God is and where others maybe are or are not. I don't know about you, I'm just saying about me. right? So when Jesus is talking about the Pharisee, he's just talking about me. Yeah. Entirely. Me too. And I think for any of us that have grown up in, in or near um, a lot of the church world in, in, in our country and in the Western world right now, we are often taught a system of belief that is a worship of certainty and of right belief and of right behavior above maybe a worship of Jesus and everything that Jesus taught us and everything that Jesus did for us. Amen. Right? And this becomes a really complicated thing for those of us who grew up in the church who receive a lot of these things and we have whole systems of absolute rights and wrongs because Jesus is coming into this story and he's about to rock our world. Mm -hmm. And everything that we would have assumed before this story, Jesus is about to challenge us quite a bit and he's about to challenge me quite a bit. Me with the way that I grew up, me and my relationship to God, me and my relationship to church, and maybe more specifically me and my relationship to those that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. And those who I find to be different than me, who believe different than me, who are maybe my near enemy. <laughs> those who are the opposite of what I stand for. And not exactly in my team, but in the opposite team, right? This is a story, at the end of the day, this is the story about a Yankees fan and a Red Sox fan. This is a story about politics, about economics, but more importantly, this is a story about two people who are in different camps. And one is justified, and the other one is not. And it is not who we think would be justified. It is the other. And that's scandalous. It absolutely rocks the world of the disciples and of the Jesus community to hear and to see that God is justifying those who we think are in the wrong side of history. Mm -hmm. God is justifying them. That's hard. So let's let's, uh, get into the story a little bit more. Although this might seem counterintuitive, I think one of the things that Jesus is doing in this story is that Jesus is telling us that maybe some of us have developed this tendency of understanding our belief and our set of beliefs as a very absolutist, constructed way of understanding things. And we know what comes first and what comes second and what comes third. And we know what God thinks about this and we know what God thinks about that. But I think one of the things that this story is doing is is that telling us and reminding us that God is a mystery. Amen. 
that Jesus is a mystery. That God is infinite and much bigger than any of us can fully understand the presence of God. This cosmic God that creates the universe, that inhabits the universe, that is in all things and for all things. This God who is redeeming every single one is actually a lot more mysterious than what any of us can just encapsulate and confine God to be. I worry that sometimes we are so certain that we have God figured out that in reality what we have is an idol figured out but not the God of the universe. If our spirituality does not have room for doubt and uncertainty and change and evolution, you do not have a Jesus spirituality. You have a religious spirituality. A Pharisee spirituality. And this is what Jesus is about to do. (laughs) Right? The Pharisees got figured out, the tax collector doesn't. Um, and one is, one is justified, and the other one is not. Now, I am not trying to be extra harsh here on the Pharisee. I started this by saying, I, I am the archetype of the Pharisee. But I think we all have a tendency to make these judgments and labels over what is right or what is wrong. And in fact, some of us go through our days really just labeling things right, wrong, right, wrong, really wrong, <laughs> right? That's what we do. It, it's, it's, it's part of all of us. Sometimes there's little things like, there's some crazy people out there that put milk before the cereal, right? That's just wrong. That is just absolutely wrong. Certain cereals. There are some people out there that separate their clothes between whites and colors and they wash them separately. That's wrong. Just put them all together. It is not the 1950s. It is not the 1950s. Things have changed. Just put them all together. Right? Those are... Mary is having a heart attack. She is... Those are the menial things of life and we have strong opinions about how we do laundry. About how we cook an egg, about whether or not we store something in the fridge or in the pantry at room temperature. And it gets, it gets worse, right? I mean, that is, that, yeah, from, that's just the beginning. We're just talking about cereal and laundry. Let's not even talk about the bigger things. The things that are really... Toilet seats. Toilet seats. Oh my God, yes. Toilet, uh, such important things in life as, as a toilet seat, yes. I think what this story is calling us to do is to suspend judgment for a second. I think this story is challenging us to think maybe the milk before the cereal is not the way you do it, but maybe it's not wrong, it's just different, or maybe it's just that doesn't matter. I am not saying that everything doesn't matter. That is not what I'm saying. I am talking about a heart attitude about us understanding that our righteousness is right and that we understand all the mysteries of the God of the universe. That's what I'm talking about. The tax collector inspires this really interesting idea of the near enemy. Often when you think of, of, when you think of literature, there's this, there's this archetypal understanding of the near enemy and the far enemy, right? In the U.S., for instance, and this is wrong, but this is just true, 
especially after 9-11, the far enemy became Muslims who were trying to attack our country. And that was a big conversation in our country uh, for the last you know, 20 years since 9-11. That was the far enemy. But interestingly, the near enemy, the near enemy can oftentimes be more, more dangerous than the far enemy because the near enemy can be your neighbor. It can be someone who votes differently than you. Someone who believes differently than you. Someone who goes to a different church. Someone who has a different opinion over a salient political issue. Someone who maybe serves in the army or someone who protests the army. Someone who is pro this or pro that. And the near enemy becomes really threatening to us because they are right there. They're near to us. And they're a lot less stable than the far enemy that lives out there, outside of the country. The tax collector is that. The tax collector is not a Roman. The Roman is the far enemy because they are not citizens of Israel. They're not part of the Jewish community. They're enemies that are far away. They are the oppressors. They're the empire. And they're stable. The tax collector, they're Jews. They're Israelites. They belong to the group. And they have chosen to betray the group to work with Rome to tax the people around them. It is the neighbor that's charging you taxes. Oh, it is the neighbor that is actually watching to see what do you have? How big is your house? How big is your car? Because I'm going to tax you based on that. So the tax collector represents our near enemy. And I want you to think of any, any identity that is important to you. And then maybe think of those who would think opposite than that. Economically, politically, socially. And that is the tax collector for me and for you. And look, we, we all do it, right? Like, we, we, we can come to God and we say, God, thank you so much because I am not the kind of person that puts milk before cereal. <laughs> thank you so much because I don't vote for X person. Thank you so much because I don't believe in X situation. Thank you so much because I am not like them. And we make this distinction in this separation. And then there's something that happens. The near enemy is praying to God. The text says that he is not loved, that he's despised. So that means that he's not a good person. But he's praying to God and he says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, one of them went home to be justified by God and the other one was not. We would expect that it's the person that is preaching, the person that is fasting, the person that is tithing, the person that is a church. But in fact, it is the despised tax collector, the one that is justified by God. And I find it interesting that tax collector is still his identity. Because he's supposed to be a traitor. He's supposed to be unliked. He's supposed to be not part of our community. But he was the one that was justified. And I think here's what, what Jesus is, is trying to tell us. A healthy spirituality is a healthy spirituality that is not focused on what others are doing, but a focus on what you are doing. Amen. A healthy spirituality is a spirituality that has room for change, for growth, for doubt, for uncertainty, for exploration. It's a, it's a spirituality that understands that the tax collector is full of contradictions. I can't explain it. The tax collector is not supposed to be part of the in crowd. They're not. 
It's contradictory. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain to you how is it that the tax collector is the one that is justified but not the Pharisee. God is trying to tell us that even when we have made judgments over who's in and who's out, it is their personal relationship with God that counts. Not our perceived relationship to God that's making the judgment. So I think the, one of the challenges for us here this morning is that God is telling us that He wants us to have a healthy spirituality that is focused on what I am doing, not what others are doing. I think we're so quick, just like the Pharisees, to say, thank God I'm not like the tax collector. Thank God I haven't figured it out. Thank God I am believing the right thing. Thank God I'm doing the right thing. And I'm so happy that I'm not like them. Jesus said in the story, can we put the last, the last verse? I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. That's scandalous. Right? That the sinner is the one that is coming before God and is justifies, justified. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I think that Jesus' spirituality is a humble spirituality. It's a spirituality that doesn't have it all together. It's a spirituality that is leaning on Jesus to understand more of Jesus while at the same time understanding that we won't ever have it all figured out. But Jesus' spirituality is more willing and able to suspend judgment and put ego aside and myself aside and just let God be the one that is the justifier and Amen. the one that's calling all people to God's self. Amen. Like Jesus' spirituality is a healthy spirituality with room for contradictions, mm -hmm. for the things that are not entirely obvious, for things that are maybe oxymoronic. Like Jesus' spirituality is about humbling ourselves before God, before others, so that then we will be exalted, not the other way around. Jesus is reminding us that we don't have it all together, that we don't understand, that we don't know who's in and who's out. And that God is in the business of saving every single person Amen. that is calling out God's name. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this really crazy story of a tax collector <laughs> who is justified. Father, we, we recognize that it doesn't make sense that the tax collector will be the one that is justified and receiving grace in this moment. But we just thank you we thank you because even those of us who have a tendency to make judgments and pass judgments on others or trying to understand where you are and where you're not, that you come in and you surprise us. Thank you for a Jesus that can love everyone, including our near enemies, including people that we would think unlovable or unacceptable. We thank you for a Jesus who's teaching us that we can come to you and humble ourselves before you and make room for growth, for surprise, for contradiction, for doubt and uncertainty. So Jesus, today in this uncertainty and in this mystery, we come to you to say we want to adore you and worship your name. We want you to change our hearts and soften our hearts to be merciful people and graceful people and not judgmental people. We confess our judgment of others. 
we confess our tendency to label others as right or wrong and instead God we want to focus on us and say that we are sinners and that we're crying out for your mercy so have mercy on me have mercy on us have mercy on our country have mercy on this world we pray all this in Jesus name Amen. We invite you to, to, to go get your children and we're going to have communion while the band is singing with us.